Hey guys, starting a new uh, series here called ATT Athletic Training Tuesday. Um, today on the show, I got my buddy Mike Millward. Uh, Mike is going to give us some information about what we could be doing uh, as far as uh, student athletes during this quarantine. Um, this was recorded before the news broke out yesterday that school and um, sports for spring are canceled in Ohio. So, uh, hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to another Bases Loaded podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Kennedy. Uh, today we're going to learn about the athletic training side of things with my good friend, Mike Millward. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Great, Gabe. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, buddy. So, you know, tell us your age, uh, profession, and a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am 37 years old, um, athletic trainer, teacher, um, certified as an athletic trainer, certified as a strength and conditioning specialist, um, certified as a functional movement specialist. I was an athletic trainer at Shelby High School for about eight or nine years. Uh, currently teach the exercise science sports medicine program out of Pioneer. So, Wow, man, that's a, that's a long list. Um, <laughs> I think we're probably done with the episode. <laughs> but uh, awesome, man. Uh, I'm glad to have you on the show, man. You got a lot of knowledge about uh, a lot of different things. Let's start off with uh, with baseball, man. I know you've got a, a passion for the game of baseball. Why is that? Why do you love baseball so much? Uh, you know, it's one of those things as a, as a little kid, I remember from the age I could read getting up in the, the late 80s, early 90s, and just trying to read the box score, looking how the big Indians fan always have been, um, looking at, you know, from Brooke Jacoby through Carlos Baerga, Sandy Alomar, just love the box score. You know, Little League Baseball is one of those things as a kid that, you know, you, you either love it or you hate it. And I fell in love with it for a long time. Um, originally, one of my my long term career plan was to to go pro baseball, uh, athletic trainer in pro baseball, not the not playing pro baseball here. <laughs> but you know, as you as you get a little older and you realize life that you want to be a husband and a father and the the important family things, to be gone six or eight months a year just kind of um, takes that out. So my wife and I, you know, every year we got engaged at Wrigley Field. I've been a big stadium goer for a long time. Uh, for our anniversary every year, we find out where the Cubs play, which which that hurts as an Indians fan after the 16 World Series. But um, it's one of those things that from six, eight years old through 37 years old, always loved baseball, loved going to stadiums. And it's awesome to have a wife that, that enjoys the same. So it's it's a lot of fun. It's just an awesome sport. So so you mentioned uh, Wrigley. Uh, what and you, I know I know you've been to a, a few stadiums there, but uh, what would you say your your number one, number two stadium are? Oh, that's 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 hard. Um, when you when you look at stadiums, you can look at the the history behind it or the modern stadium. And you can't put a a Wrigley and a Fenway in the same category as a Coors Field or a City Field. So, um, taking the emotional piece out as far as where I got engaged, um, old school stadium Fenway is just when you when you when you walk. We took a tour when you walk onto the field at Fenway, it's just a feeling that you can't describe. So, from a, a historical stadium. Fenway is my favorite. From a modern stadium, um, City Field is number one, the Mets. Uh, number two would be Coors, and the tiebreaker there is the atmosphere for the game. Coors Field is the most beautiful stadium I think I've ever been to, but the atmosphere for the game wasn't as good as it was at City Field in New York. So, both both beautiful stadiums. Okay, good good to know. I've I've not been to uh, to either. Um, Coors Field looks awesome. 
Um, I would never, ever, ever go to a Mets game in New York, ever. Um, but, uh, yeah, that stadium's obviously, you know, really nice too. But it's crazy, man, how you look at, you know, like, I know it's called Progressive now, but uh, you look at the Jake and, you know, that that's an old stadium now, but obviously still really nice. And, I mean, at times I feel like it's still new. Uh, PNC is, you know, a special place for me. I love PNC Park. I think it's awesome. Um, SunTrust is awesome, but – uh, you know, I just I think that, you know, baseball stadiums in general, man, I would love to just to just tour the heck out of them, even if they're not playing games, man. I, I just I'm a big stadium, uh, big stadium yeah. fan. The, and if you're ever going to go on the road to a stadium, you have to spend the six or seven bucks to do the tour. It gives you the behind the scenes. You get in the dugouts, you get in the clubhouse, depending on if it's game day or not. You get in the press box. It just gives you a view of the stadium that that it, you just can't get at a game. So it's it's awesome. Um, I never thought I'd be a big oh, yeah. New Yorker fan, but if you told me to pick a stadium before I went, New York wouldn't have been on the list. You know, I never thought I would be a big Yankee Stadium fan, which, uh, for the record, New Yankee Stadium is the most overrated stadium in, in all of baseball. The, oh, boy. I've been to, oh, boy. I've been to 19, and, and <laughs> the Taj Mahal is they, – they put the money in the wrong places, in my opinion. So, But really? you're right, PNC, Great American are very similar stadiums. They're both beautiful, too. But yeah, new, uh, I, I, I was not a fan of Yankee Stadium. You you brought it up, man. I'll, I'll never forget. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't watching, have brought it up. I know where you're going. Watching watching the uh, you know MLB Network, man. I'm giving them a shout out because they're going to be on the show next week. Uh, that's a joke, but MLB <laughs> Network. I'm sitting there watching at at night, you know, watching all the scores and everything and all the highlights and and you know just loving loving it, man. And and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, watching this this crazy fan uh, trying to catch this this home run. I'm like. Dude, that's Mike Millward, man. That that's Millward. He's on TV. So can you explain what what happened? What what was I seeing with my very own eyes on my television? So so Zach Hample's his name. Uh, I can't believe we went here tonight, but it's all right. Uh, <laughs> Zach Hample is a notorious ball hawk. So he he's collected thousands and thousands of baseballs. Um, he travels the the country. Uh, his parents own a bookstore. Um, he works there. He travels, goes to stadiums, and he's got all the keys to catching home run balls and getting foul balls and getting balls pregame. He's written books on how to get balls at games. So we're, we're hanging out at Yankee Stadium. Uh, my wife and I, it's our – I want to say it was our fourth or fifth wedding anniversary. Um, we're front row sitting in right field, and there's a guy – there's a, a couple guys next to us. They're season ticket holders, and they said something about Zach Campbell. I'm like, oh, I've heard of him. What, what are you guys talking about? They said, yeah, that's, that's him three rows behind us. Watch him. He'll just – he loves to hang out in right field at New York – at Yankee Stadium, and he'll kind of manipulate based on where the hitters are, where he positions himself. Just watch him. It's cool. I'm like, I want to kind of go talk to this dude. So fourth, fifth inning, I go up and talk to him. You know, hey, I haven't read your books, but I've seen your stuff. I love trying to just get players to throw balls. We talk for five, ten minutes, and it's, it's whatever. So bottom of the ninth, uh, Yankees were down, I want to say down by four, um, three or four. They they get within one. Um, runners, I don't remember the exact scenario, but um, uh, what's his name? Didi Gregorius comes up. Mind you, Zach Campbell caught Didi's first home run ball and then gave it back to him as just a generous, hey, it's your first home run ball. Here you go. He's never gotten another ball from Didi before. So DD comes up, tie game, bottom of the ninth, boom, hits a bomb to right field, barely over the fence. It's about six seats to my left, two or three, three or four rows probably in front of Zach Hample. As soon as DD hits the ball, Hample flies down the steps. I almost run over my wife, slide over to the left. We're both trying to catch this home run ball. 
He's got a glove. I'm barehanded. And as embarrassing as it is, I stick my bare hand out right in front of his glove, hits off my bare hand, bounces on the field, and he goes nuts. He's yelling. He's screaming. He's jumping around. Uh, Baseball Tonight did a little thing on it. Um, He was – he, and literally all I did was reach in front and put my hand. It hits my hand and bounces onto the field. He went off on Twitter – uh, you know, this guy body slammed me and, you know, DD special to me and, you know, three or four days, it was all over Twitter. And I was, I was, uh, even on baseball tonight, I was the, the man, can we give the man in the black jacket a big thumbs up? You know, it was, it, it was funny, but it was, I've, I've never had my phone blow up that much just over a day or two. Like, look what he's saying now. Look what he's saying now. It was, it was hilarious. It was fun. That was, that was so funny. Cause it was just, you know, the embarrassing part I, is I, I didn't catch the ball. In New York. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? The cool thing is he didn't either. You, know? <laughs> and it, you were kind of playing defense a little and bit. And it went right down to uh, Sinshu Chu, and everyone's hollering for, for him to throw the ball back. Now, the dude just lost on a walk-off home run, so he wasn't throwing yeah, the right, ball back right. into the stands. But, yeah, it was <laughs> it went nuts. It went nuts. That, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about athletic training here. Uh, you know, with – the news of possibly sports starting up uh, in a few weeks. What are some concerns that you have as far as injuries with getting sports back in a couple of weeks? Yeah, so, so spring sports are one of those seasons that we deal with a lot of what we call chronic injuries. So they're, they're overuse injuries, but in the spring sports, a lot of them stem from um, the athletes in the spring don't necessarily do the, the right preparation leading up to the sport. So a lot of the, the track kids, track athletes, they don't necessarily run as much as they should in the, throughout the winter. You know, the baseball and softball players, they're not necessarily throwing as much as they really should, whether it's they just don't take the time to do it, they're involved in other sports. You know, high school kids have busier schedules now than they ever have as far as work and, and sports and travel sports and responsibilities at home. So a lot of them don't necessarily get the right preseason training in. So to extend that, that off time, we, we can call it, and then lead right into sports. I worry about those those little aches and pains that start off, whether it's, um, you know, a track athlete that has that that slight shin pain or that little bit of hamstring tightness early in the season, that base that thrower, baseball, softball, or your track and field throwers that have that little bit of elbow and shoulder soreness. And it's, you know, a lot of them go with the mindset of, oh, it's early in the season. I'm going to have this soreness. And they just kind of suck it up and keep going through it. You know, the longer we take off before we get back into it, we don't we're not going to have, you know, looking at what um, Jerry Snodgrass sent out, we're going to have four or five, six days ish as a acclimation period. And that's really not enough for those guys. So if if you're a, a baseball player, if you're a if you're a runner, you're a thrower, track and field, even even your spring tennis, you know, getting involved in the sport and doing some of the movements related to the sport w- would be absolutely critical. Um if we want to talk about a baseball player, just go out behind the garage or go to the basement or, or maybe even find somebody to soft toss with. We have to worry a little bit about um, social distancing, which I think we should call physical distancing. Uh, I could go on a tangent there, but I won't. But looking at the, the safe, safety of it, because you could cough on your hand, touch on the ball, contaminate it, pass the, pass the virus around. But looking at ways to condition your arm, and, and if you can throw by yourself, throw by yourself. If you can find somebody to throw with and, and you've been quarantined and you you understand the risks that are at hand, conditioning that arm. You know, runners, you, you can go run in your backyard. You can run around your neighborhood. And in, in theory, based on CDC guidelines, as long as you're running by yourself and you're maintaining that social distance, you should still be able to condition your body, condition your muscles, condition your tendons, ligaments, and joints, and still kind of reduce that injury with some some moderate training on your own. 
Okay. Well, so let's talk about uh, track a little bit here. You know, shin splints is a big, big thing. Uh, you know, what are some, what are some ways to kind of prevent, or is that something you see, uh, you know, shin splint injuries kind of stockpiling up early on if we get going here soon? Absolutely. Shin splints is one of the, the most difficult things to treat. And it's one of the most common things that as an athletic trainer we see in the spring. And a lot of it stems from you as an individual. So if you have a baseball player with rotator cuff tendonitis, so a little inflammation in the shoulder, you know, a lot of times what you're going to do for athlete one, two, and three are going to be very similar. When you look at shin splints, shin splints are very individual to, individualized to the athlete. So what causes shin splints for me may not be the same thing that causes shin splints for you. So really identifying that cause so if we, if we look at some of the causes, looking at, you know, the footwear, how old are your shoes? What kind of foot do you have? Do you have, if you have a high arch versus a flat arch, you know, you need different footwear. If your foot turns in versus out when you run or you walk a little bit, your footwear is going to be different. So there are some of the things to, some of the ways to identify shin splints, we kind of need to see your foot, but a lot of them, looking at your foot structure, looking at the age of your footwear, um, evaluating the wear pattern on your shoes. So when you run, if you have an older pair of shoes and we look at that, that sole on the bottom, we can tell how your foot is hitting the ground, how you're pushing off. You know, do you strike your heel real hard? Where, do you, where does the weight shift as you go from your heel to, the, to your toes? And we can evaluate a lot of those things just through pictures. And I know a lot of the athletic trainers in this area are still working. Uh, they've been redeployed into COVID call centers. They're working in ERs. They're screening pay, uh, visitors in the hospitals. But I, I know the athletic trainers are missing their athletes. Ohio Health, uh, hashtag not a sponsor, but Ohio Health just did a video of several of their athletic trainers making a video to send to their athletes because they miss them and they want to wish them well and giving them things to do. And I'd be willing to bet a lot of the athletic trainers in the area would love to hear from their athletes. Hey, you know, there's, there's a, a slim chance that we could start track next week. You know, last year I had shin splints. What can, I, what can we do now to try to prevent that if we do start here in a couple of weeks? And I'm sure they would probably respond back with talking about some stretches, some general strengthening. Uh, you know, send me a picture of the bottom of your shoes. Let's look at how you're running. Let's, let's look at your foot. You know, get your foot wet, stain on something. If you have a piece of paper you can stand on with a wet foot, we can evaluate your arch. And I'm sure a lot of the athletic trainers in the area would love to, love to do that. But trying to identify those causes of the injury now is what we can do. And then once we know the cause, we can, we can come up with a, a program or a handful of things for the athletes to do to try to prevent that injury coming back if we do start here in a couple of weeks. Okay, so how much, you know, how much time, obviously everybody's different. Um, but, you know, you look at, uh, you know, maybe, um, you know, with, with spring coming up here, sports hopefully soon, track, baseball, softball, tennis, um, you know, those, those are the big time sports. But um, even, you know, you, you got stuff like, uh, you know, AAU, you got all this stuff. I don't know how that's going to affect that stuff. But um, what about hamstring injuries? Yeah, ha hamstring injuries are huge with our track kids. We don't see – we see them here and there with our baseball, softball, and tennis, but – most often we're going to see those in our track kids. And a lot of times that comes from an overstride. Um, you know, you stride a little too far, that muscle pulls in the back. But there's, there's a great exercise that you can do called the Nordic hamstring, Nordic curl, or the Russian hamstring. Um, if you do a quick YouTube and just type in either Nordic hamstring curl or Russian hamstring exercise, that is probably the, one of the best, if not the best, uh, hamstring strengthening exercise. When we look at muscles, we typically train muscles in the way they work. So a muscle can do things by shortening or by lengthening. Um, 
when we look at how the muscle, the muscles typically gets injured, uh, when we're talking about a sprinter, it can be either the acceleration, so when you're trying to go faster or when you're trying to slow down. And that Nordic hamstring exercise is probably the, the single best exercise for the hamstring. And it's also one of the best exercises in ACL injury prevention. We could do a whole pod on ACL injuries. Um, but looking at, do you, do you have the proper motion to do the sport you want to do? If you have super tight hamstrings, and when we look at speed, you know, part of, part of what makes your speed is your stride length. So if you stride long, but you have a tight hamstring, that's going to put a lot of tension on that muscle. And if we put a lot of tension on it as we're trying to make it longer, that's where we start getting some, some tearing or some pulling into the muscle and lead to the injury. Um, we can get into some, some body weight exercises you can do at home for injury prevention. Um, but regular, regular, regular stretching, regular strengthening, and making sure that muscle is really, really made to do what it wants to do. When we look at a sprinter, you know, say you're, you're going to run a, a hundred with well, the 110 hurdles, you know, if you're looking at 50 to 70 steps and you're doing it at the most force your body can put out, if that hamstring doesn't have the power to, to reach out and hit the ground and pull back, it doesn't have the mobility to reach out as far, it's going to, it's more tend to, more prone to injury. Okay. Okay. So, um, you know, with the, with the injuries, you know, there's so much more um, that goes into trying to prevent them because you look at, you know, shin splints and, and hamstrings, especially too there. Um, if, if you got something going on early with that, uh, that's something that can really linger throughout the season and uh, kind of, I mean, you see that with professional athletes, yeah. uh, you see that with NFL players, uh, you know, with hamstring, man, they're out for, you know, a month, month, month or two. Absolutely. The, the, the piggyback off of that, one of the biggest keys to injury and reducing time loss is the sooner the athletic trainers know about the injury, the less likely it is to lose time. You know, there's some some coaches and some parents out there that think as athletic trainers, you know, we're, we're overly cautious and we just want to say kids can't play because the liability is on us. The worst conversations we have to have is when we have to tell a kid, a parent, and a coach that, hey, you can't play now. And what you think might be just some soreness, maybe it is soreness, but maybe it's something that could lead to a time loss injury. You know, shin splints and hamstring tightness are two of those that a lot of these athletes think it's, oh, I'm just sore. Oh, it's just tight. Oh, it's just the start of the season. That's fine. It might be, but it might be the start of something that could get worse. And the sooner we as athletic trainers know about that, the sooner we can start some exercises, some treatment to try to get it to go away. And if we, if we can treat it early, the odds of time loss are much lower. When you, when you suck it up, and there's, there's a lot to be said for the tough athletes. I, I have a lot of respect for those guys, those kids. I'm sorry. Um, but the sooner we know about it, the sooner we can treat it, and the less likely it is you're going to miss time from the sport you've been training for and the sport you love. So don't, don't be afraid to go say, hey, my hamstring's a little tight. What can I do for it? And the majority of athletic trainers are going to say, okay, let's work with this. And as long as we can stay ahead of the curve, you're not going to miss any time. But when you let it linger and it gets worse and worse and worse, and then we find out about it, sometimes some injuries, again, hamstrings and shin splints specifically, our only option is going to be to shut you down for a little bit, let that, let that swelling and inflammation calm down, and then get you back. So please, please, please report those. Even if you think it's something simple, report it to your athletic trainer. Let us look at it. Let us give you some treatment stuff. And our goal is to keep you in the game as long as we can. Yeah, that's definitely difficult, man, to, um, you know, decipher am I, you know, trying to be tough about something or is it time to, you know, go get this checked out? Because like we said, you don't want that stuff to linger. Uh, you know, you got you got four years 
hopefully only four years in high school with sports. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're as healthy as possible. So, um, you know, Mike, thanks a lot, buddy, for, uh, for being on the show. Um, I'm, I'm, I learned a lot. I know our, our listeners are probably gonna learn a lot too. And hopefully the next, uh, next segment we're going to have with you, uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about sports nutrition. Thanks yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Gabe. Show, thanks Mike. for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks a lot, Mike, for coming on the show. And thanks to all you listeners out there supporting us. Um, don't forget to follow us um, at Bases Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, thanks a lot again for listening to the Bases Loaded Podcast.